Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he took your sins away? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Why don't you turn to two or three people and smile a great big Holy Ghost smile and tell them they sure look good in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Always good to be with God's people. Amen. Grateful, thankful. And I join with Brother Long in saying, I pray this will be the most wonderful time of the year for you and your life. And I believe a lot of it has to do with how we approach it. And it is a season of good cheer. So let's be dispensers of good cheer. And it doesn't come in a bottle. It comes from something down in the heart. A knowledge and an understanding that the King of Glory wrapped himself in flesh and came and dwelt among men that I might be saved. And I'm so thankful tonight for him coming, identifying with me, and helping me understand that I am of value to him. Why would you put a fence around something if it wasn't important? And God drew a fence around humanity and said, that is mine, that's my creation. And because it was his creation, he was so willing to come and become one of us that he might redeem us. I'm so glad that I know him tonight. Let's praise him together. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. We're so excited about all the things that are available to you. And I hope you will be involved uh, from our children to our young people. I'm glad we have a church family that supports each other. And so all of these announcements, let me just add one thing. The Christmas banquet's coming up. I believe Sunday afternoon is the deadline. So please get online. If you need help, somebody can be in the foyer to help you get tickets for that. You don't want to miss that. Also, we're going to do uh, something that we did a few years ago. And it's uh, every table is going to be individually decorated. Hopefully, uh, all of you will get involved in that. You can sign up tonight to decorate a table. We're going to have a contest to see who does uh, the best decorating. And uh, you will be rewarded for that. So... Uh, let's have a little fun and enjoy our time together and certainly it should always be a blessing maybe after I get through tonight you will understand why our being together is so valuable Romans chapter 1 Romans the first chapter I am reading from the Passion Translation and uh So it will read a little differently. If you have King James, they've got it on the screen. You can follow along with me. We're going to begin reading with verse number 8. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 8. He said, I give thanks to God for all of you. Because the testimony of your faith is spreading throughout the world. And God knows that I pray for you continually and at all times. For I serve and worship Him with my spirit in the gospel of His Son. My desire and constant prayer is that I would succeed in coming to you according to the plan and timing of God. I yearn to come and be face to face with you and to get to know you. For I long to impart to you some spiritual gift 
that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. Now this means that when we come together and are side by side, when we are side by side, something wonderful will be released. When we are together and we can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. Your faith matters. And so much more when we are together, your faith matters. Because it is your faith many times that will lift the faith of others who are struggling. And that's the power of what happens when we come together as a body. Let me read that part again. Verse number 12. Now this means that when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. And we can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I do not have a title tonight. Perhaps you'll put your own uh, twist on what I'm going to say. Most of us interpret things through the lens of our own uh, vision. and, And sometimes that is good, sometimes that limits us. So that's why it's so important. You know, it's good that you have two eyes in your head and two ears, not just so it would be symmetrically good for you, but those two things work together to help complement the picture. And I could prove that point to you very simply. I've done this before, but if you take your index finger, it doesn't matter right or left, just take your index finger and point at that G on that screen. Do it, go ahead. It, it won't hurt you. You won't get in trouble for doing it. Point at that G with both eyes open. Now, I want you to close your right eye. Leave your left eye open. Uh-oh. Close your left eye and open your right eye. What happens? There's a dominance that every person in this building has which means there's a part of your vision that helps complement the other. And it is that influence of one on the other that helps keep you balanced. When you are limited by one sight or the other, you can miss the mark. Now understand, we're, some of you are not but 30 feet or maybe 60 feet away from this screen at the most. Notice how far off you were when you pointed it, when you were looking out of one eye, not the other. Now, if you take that and project that to a mile, how far off are you going to be in a mile? So God gives us two eyes so that they can complement and they help bring into perspective what we're looking at. That's why two are better than one, because we are stronger and threefold cord, he said, is not easily broken. And so it's important for us to understand uh, not just the fact that we have two eyes in our head uh, to be able to see or that we have two ears to hear from or we have two hands to work with, but it's important that we understand as a body, as a church body, how important the people around us are and how influential each of us are on others. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that influence. How powerful our influence is for better or for worse in any environment and in any setting. And that we would use our influence for the good of the body. And how we get in life what we look for. Let me say that again. I want to help you understand tonight 
that we get in life what we look for. If we come in looking for something to be wrong, we're going to find something wrong. If you come in looking for the bad, that's exactly what you're going to get because that's, you, you get what you look for. Now, when I say that, some people say, well, Brother Hughes, you must go around life with blinders on. Well, you know what? Sometimes you do. Because everything you see is not what you want to see. But I don't want my vision to be so skewed and so jaded because of my little bent or personality or my disagreement with somebody that I don't get to see a bigger picture and understand how important it is that I realize for myself that I have an influence that is going out from me. And what is that influence doing for others? How is that affecting them? How is that helping or hurting them? Now, the book of Romans is an interesting book. Because Paul is writing to a church that he has never been to and he has no influence upon their faith that this church in Rome and in that part of the world had grown up and flourished without him. It's the only, I think, probably, I don't think, it is the only New Testament letter that Paul wrote to a church that he had not already been involved in, that he had not already had some kind of contact with. And yet when Paul feels the urge and the responsibility to write to this church in Rome, he does so in a a very interesting fashion. And I think how he approaches these people has a lot to do with teaching us how we ought to approach others that we may not have a close contact or relationship with. And so he's writing to a church that he has never personally been to and he has had no share in its founding and and its beginning And so in order for them to feel more comfortable with this letter, he uh, wants to move forward not as a trespasser on territory that he has no uh, belonging in or that he would interfere uh, with something that he had no right to interfere with. He has, he has no right to write this letter, if I can use that terminology. Uh, Paul approaches them in a very powerful and, uh, interesting way. He, uh, had to bring down the barrier of strangeness. Nobody knows other than by reputation. They have not seen him. They, they've they heard a lot about him. He's a little bitty squatty guy. looks ugly. According to history, Paul had no physical features. He was a gnarly, twisted, bent body. There was nothing about him that was... Uh, attractive, nobody would say, oh, I want him to be my pastor. Because first of all, he's hard to look at. And it's bad enough that you got to listen to him, but then you got to look at him too while you're listening. So nobody wanted that gnarly looking dwarfed character, which there's so many descriptions uh, in, in, in biblical history of what Paul might have looked like. And he even talks about himself at at some point as not being there. So here is this man that's wanting to write us a letter and he's wanting to have an influence in our life. He's wanting to help us 
become more like Jesus. And he begins by complimenting these people that he has never met. That's a powerful lesson right there in itself. I could close the Bible right now and I could go home and feel like I have given you something that could help you in relationships with other people. And I hope you're listening right now because I feel like the Spirit of the Lord has talked to me today and I feel like the Spirit of the Lord would like to talk to you. And the way that we bring barriers down and the way that we break through natural barriers of suspicion or disagreement has a lot with how we approach them in the beginning. And I've learned the most... Uh, the, the quickest way to disarm somebody that's out to get me is to compliment them. It's to say something good. It's disarming when, when they come look, I mean, they're looking at you like, uh, who, who is this dude? Who is this guy? What, what's it your business, pastor? You're always meddling in other people's business. So what right do you have? And then you just throw out this beautiful compliment to It's disarming. There's something about a compliment that enables barriers to come down. So if you are dealing with barriers or walls of difference in your life, maybe you need to go back and look at how you're approaching those problems and how you're approaching those individuals To help bring the wall down. And so he compliments them. Uh, How many of you understand the power of a compliment? How many of you like to receive compliments? Some of you don't care. Are you here tonight? (laughs) Everybody likes somebody to think well of us. And we don't, often, we don't just like them to think it. We like them to say it. Yeah. I mean, give me a Baptist nod or something tonight. So let me just know you're alive. So I don't have an usher come by and put a little card under your nose, see if there's any condensation coming out. There are ways of bringing barriers down. There's ways of opening doors. In, in, and this goes to, to relationship. This is really what Paul begins with is relational issues. And if you don't have relational issues worked out, you're, it doesn't matter what message you have to deliver. Nobody wants to hear it. And you may be 1000% right in what you need to say. But the door gets closed. The moment you take this superior attitude over people and you think, I'm fixing to straighten you out. The only person that gets to do that around here is the pastor. And I don't take that bully pulpit very often because I feel like there's ways that God can do that in an atmosphere of worship and when we get around an altar amazing things happen all kind of things take place but when we're in the relationship of a body it's important for us to understand that compliments can go a long way to helping resolve differences or misunderstandings or even Help us get on the same page. We like to hear things said good about ourselves. All right? Anybody not like good things being said about you? Amen. Amen. We like it when people give us a thumbs up on Facebook. Yeah. So how many, again, of us understand that being a critic is going to limit your effectiveness in life in becoming a help to others and others becoming a help to you? Amen. 
Now, some people feel like they're sent to the church to fix the church. God, I'm God's gift to this church. I'm going to straighten it out. I'm going to help them see the light. I'm going to help them understand this or that. And uh, that never works. But how I approach others and the way in which I deal with others can always be quick to help deal with barriers that come up. And so Paul begins by breaking down the natural barriers of life by complimenting this church at Rome. It's amazing what happens when that takes place. There is more openness and readiness. Here are people whose tongues are attuned to a different uh, tone perhaps, but he brings together in his compliment a harmony. You know, it's amazing uh, in pastoring and in preaching that there are some people who are toned or tuned in to certain things and you can always count on them uh, to to not disappoint you some people are are just tuned to praise they're going to find something to compliment they're going to find something to say good and then there are others they're not very many but there are others that are tuned to criticism they are looking for what's not right and I've learned this much about life you look long enough you're going to find it amen there are imperfections all around us and we ourselves are imperfect but what Paul is trying to help the New Testament church understand is that there is a mutual work that goes on in the body. And that is that your faith is important in helping my faith get stronger. And my faith is important in helping your faith get stronger. And the work of the body should be that when we come together, we understand how important all of these people around us are and how much better they make my life when I understand that give and take in that relationship. And I give myself to being not just a giver or a dispenser, but I open myself to receive. You know, it's amazing in life. How many people just shut people off because they have a different personality, they have a different way of doing things, or, you know, we like to gather around us people that like stuff like we do. And we tend to exclude the people from our circle that don't fit into that little category of whatever it is. But Paul said, hey, the arms of the church should be wide open because the Lord didn't come to save people just like you. He came to save the world. He came to save everybody, every event, every personality, every uniqueness and every part of that being that's different. God said, I'm going to save that person and I want my church to have a heart big enough that we can receive all of those people. That we've always got an open door. That no matter who walks in, what they look like, what they smell like, where they've been or where they're coming from, when they walk in this place, there are arms that are open because This is part of God's creation and this is part of God's redeemed purpose. Amen. And so we get what we become attuned to. And Paul wanted to get in sync with these people. And so he comes to them with a gift. I want to give you something. Amen. I'm not here to take. I want to be first a giver. You know, it's amazing what happens when you give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to encourage myself tonight. It's amazing what happens when you begin to impart gifts in life. 
It's amazing how it changes the whole atmosphere. How this, perhaps a barrier, I I don't know. But I'm telling you, it, it would be like a strange preacher coming in here and taking over my role as a pastor. And start telling you things. I can tell you right now, some of your fur would be moved the wrong direction. Well, who does he think he is? coming in here telling us what to do. And so Paul identifies with them and he says, I want to give a gift to you. I want to share something with you that has been shared with me. This is so powerful. The word that is used for gift here does not talk about something that comes from you. But it's something that you pass along that has been given to you. I didn't start this. Somebody else started this. And they shared with me something that they started. The love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We didn't get that on our own. And so we have to learn how to be givers of things that we didn't come up with. It wasn't our idea, but it was God's idea to love the whole world. Not just to love people like me or with my personality or with my taste or with my likes. But he saved the world because he wanted the church to be a multifaceted church that has all kinds, all nationalities, all personalities, all of them working together as one because they understand that in a body there's giving but there's also receiving that you are not just a dispenser of all of life yourself but you're just a partaker you're just a storage vessel for God to do wonderful things in this world and when we understand that it causes us to look at one another differently Amen. The songwriter said, he's my brother. She's my sister. So take me by the hand. And together, together, together. Amen. And so he imparts this gift. And so many wonderful things happen when we begin the process of giving. Paul was probably the greatest thinker that the New Testament church had. He was wise, and if you read Romans, you find out that it is one of the deepest theological writings that Paul gives the New Testament church. And yet, when he thought about these people in Rome, he longed to teach them something that he had learned from the Lord. He realized that he could teach himself something also. And something wonderful happens when we realize that all of us owe a debt to someone of some kind. Remember the saying, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know one thing for certain, he didn't get there by himself. And you did not get here by yourself and that in itself makes me indebted to somebody I owe somebody a debt I am in debt to somebody who took a chance on me and loved me and I love how he said it he said I am a debtor to the Greek And to the barbarian. Now the Greek was the most cultured civilization perhaps. They were and had been the most influential of cultures upon transforming the world and how the world viewed the world. And it was this Roman thinking, this Greek thinking 
It was not a racial thing. It was not a nationality, but it was an ideology and it was a, 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 a whole influence that had been unleashed upon the earth and Alexander the Great, when he conquered the world and, and was so influential in, in doing what he did, this Greek language and Greek thought had spread and it had influenced so much. But there were those that its influence had not touched. And so they were considered barbarians, or the term in the literal speech says barbar, and which, which would in essence say that here is a people that speak a language that's so vile and so, uh, it's a tongue that is so crude that it contrasts with this other well-developed language and culture. But he said, I am a debtor to both of those. I am a debtor to both of these personalities, both of these cultures. I owe a debt to every living, breathing human being. And that debt is there because something was given to me that I don't deserve, that I didn't merit, but he loved me anyway and he gave it to me anyway. And because he has given me something, then I owe a debt to other people. Aren't you glad or weren't you, were, were you not glad when, when you came to the church, if you did not grow up in the church, that you found a place where the arms were open and they welcomed you just like you were? That's what the church is supposed to be. It is supposed to be a place where all of its members feel an indebtedness. Somebody help me get where I am. And I want to help somebody get where I am. I am a debtor. I just feel like if that one principle could be incorporated into our lives every day, it would change the way we look at one another. It would change the way we interact with one another. It would make us so much more powerful in doing the work that God has called us to do. Paul said, I am a debtor to the wise and to the simple, to the cultured and to the uncultured, to the lettered and the unlettered. Why? Because something has been given to me that I didn't deserve. I was a murderer. I was going about putting them to death because of this way called heresy. But God, he, he loved me so much that he would let a light shine down from heaven while I'm on my way to my next extermination project. And he talks to me and he said, Saul, Saul, why kick you against the prick? Why are you persecuting my people? And Paul never got over that. You know what's the tragedy in a church? Is that too many of us get over our own salvation. And we come to think that we deserved what we got. Well, I've never done those things. Doesn't make any difference whether you've ever done them or you've done a million of them. We are all sinners saved by grace. Oh my God, we are all sinners saved by grace. And we are a debtor to each other. Amen. Paul had a message for the world. Not just his world. And I wish that I could help all of us understand that. That he made room for all people. In his preaching and in his ministry. And if you're going to criticize me for anything. I would rather you criticize me for being a lover of all people. 
than to be narrow-minded and bigoted and think just like you might want me to think. These doors and this place is a house of healing for people. It's a place of restoration for broken people. But let me tell you what else it is. It's the place where God works to knock the edges off of every one of our lives and form us into the vessel that he would like us to be. And sometimes he uses other people to knock those edges off of us so that we can be shaped into that image that he desires us to be. That's why you need somebody in your life that helps do that. Amen. I told some young preachers several years ago that were drifting and moving away from what we feel and and believe are essential and necessary. And I told one of them one time, I said, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with, with your crowd and the, and, and the young preachers that you're running with. You have eliminated any voice from your life that contradicts what you want to say or what you want to think. And when you eliminate that voice, you are affecting the trajectory of your life. And I said, the Lord taught me I don't know where else it would have come. I didn't ha- I wasn't smart enough to know this. But in my early years of ministry, I made friends with ministers that were on both extremes. And I got criticized for it. I had some friends that were ultra ultra liberal. Matter of fact, they they're not with us any- and I had some men who were ultra ultra conservative. And I'll tell you, that's a difficult place to be in. Because when you're with them, they want you to be with them. When you're with them, they want you to be like them. And it's amazing how people put pressure on you to conform you to their ideology, not the word. But this is what I learned. It was those two extremes that helped keep me balanced in my life. And when I eliminate one of those, I eliminate the questions that come to me that are vital, that make me think, is that really a wise decision? Is that where you want to end up? Is that what you want to ultimately be like? And they help steer you back into a way that I believe is more in fitting with what the Lord would want all of us to be, and that's like Him. Oh, I've said enough already. Let me just say a few more things. Isn't it wonderful that a physician judges the condition of your heart by your pulse beat and not your words? Did you hear what I said? Isn't it wonderful that a physician judges the condition of my heart by the pulse that he feels and by the beat that he hears, not by the words that are coming out of my mouth? Because sometimes the words coming out of my mouth can contradict what is going on in my heart or what God is trying to do in my heart. And isn't it great that when God came to help you, he didn't listen to what you were saying? Because some of you said, I'm never going to be Pentecostal. I'm never going to be one of those apostolic crazy people. But God didn't hear your words. He was listening to your heart. And in your heart, there was a hunger and a desire to want to know him. Oh, God. And because he heard what was the heart, 
He was willing to work on me. This is what the scripture said. This is so amazing when I read this again today. It says that we know we have passed from death unto life. What is the criteria that helps others understand that I have passed from death unto life? That I'm a great tongue talker? That I can run faster than everybody else? That I dress more holy than they do? That I got all the outward garments on? The scripture says that we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Let me say that again. We know we have passed from death unto life. Not because of how well we talk in tongues or how wonderfully we dress godly and apostolic or whatever else or how much money we have or how much mental acuity we have. But we know we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. I love the plural. He didn't say the brother because the brother would be probably just like me. But we love the brethren. We love the body. We are most effective when we understand that we are a body. And God didn't intend any of us to do it all by ourselves. That we are part of a body. And I'm going to hurry up. I'm, I'm, I want to learn something from your faith. I want to learn something from what your faith has helped you endure. I want to learn how you stood the test. How you endured the fire. I want to learn how you have been able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one that came against you. Because in learning your story, it will help me understand more about his story. And when you learn my story, it will help you understand more about his story. Praise God. I want to learn something. And that's what Paul said. And what's interesting when I read this, Paul said, I want to impart a gift. And it's almost as if he caught himself. And oh, 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 hold on just a moment. I may be overstepping my bounds Because I don't want to come across as being this egotistical know-it-all and I'm coming to tell you how to live for God. He said, I'm looking forward to being with you because I want to learn something from your faith as well as you learning something from my faith because it will put us all in a better place. Can you throw that 12th verse back up there in the... In the Passion Translation. I think we ought to take a look at it again. He said now this means. That when we come together. And are side by side. Amen. Something wonderful will be released. Something powerful. Is going to take place. Because I'm going to be encouraged by your faith. And you're going to be encouraged by my faith. That's how important your influence is. That every time you come together as a body and every time we function and operate as a body, there is this interchange that goes on. And we are dispensing something as well as receiving something. And the question that came to my mind today was, what am I dispensing? What am I giving out to others? Am I giving out this vibe that, hey, I don't let anybody into my inner circle but these kind of people? Wow, it's quiet tonight. Maybe I need to go back in the office and start over. 
Brother Clyde, could you come back up here and let's start music over again? I want to learn something from your faith. I want to learn something from how you overcame. And I learned that when I come in the right attitude and I come in the right spirit. Because let me tell you something, folks. Sarcasm is a corporate word today. Sarcasm, it it is the word perhaps of the hour for the world. I've never seen more criticism. If you put something out, somebody's immediately going to jump on it and trounce you over it. If you make some statement about how good God's been to you, there's going to be some wild-haired lunatic that's going to get on your Facebook and they're going to tell you all of the things that are wrong with what you just said. And the sister twin of, our brother twin of criticism is sarcasm. And sarcasm is the language of the devil. Some people's minds run like a dirt track. (laughs) It's always on the dirt and never on anything else. They look for it and they find it. But Paul said, you and I are responsible for the influence that we are making on the body. We're responsible for that. And we must make sure that we are exerting the right kind of influence. Listen to what Joshua 14 and 8, and I'm closing. He said, let not brethren cause the heart of the people to melt. What am I influence doing to others? Paul was not so self-opinionated or proud that he imagined that no one could enlighten him or no one could comfort him or no one could help him. He realized that in coming to Rome, He was going to learn as much about Rome as Rome was going to learn about Paul. And how wonderful it is when a church body can function like that. That we need every personality type. We need every kind of individual. They may not be like me. And they may show me something about life that I don't really want to. (laughs) That's just not the way I want to look at life. But it will help you. It will help you live a more balanced life. It will help you do what God purposed you to do. And we forget many times how powerful our influence can be over other people. Amen. I I need to shut up here because I, I could ramble for a little while right now. But even an apostle with special gifts understood he gets benefits while he gives them and it is the law of the kingdom that it is more blessed to give than to receive but let me tell you something there's another reciprocal law that you're going to receive far more than you give amen let's stand together Oh, praise God. Amen. I love the word of the Lord. I love what God is saying. Amen. The best faith in this building needs refreshment and encouragement. There's not a person in this building that couldn't use with a little good news today or a little encouragement or kind word. Say, Brother Hughes, are we having problems? No, not that I'm aware of, but you know what? We have people. (laughs) Yeah, we have people. And anywhere there are people, there are problems. You can't get away from it. 
But the best faith means encouragement and refreshment. And even Paul gained by what he found in those in Rome, a strength from their faith and encouragement that helped them go on. And just as the river feeds the sea, so the rivulet feeds the river. And so the mountain clouds feed the rivulet. We are receivers. We're not originators. We're just passing something along on life's journey. What are you passing along? Paul said, your faith is going to help my faith. And I pray that my faith will help your faith become what you ought to be. Amen. Praise God. Reach over and take somebody near you if you're with somebody. If you're not, just wrap your arms around yourself. (laughs) And let's pray this prayer. Lord, help me to understand how important your body is. That our lives are made better when we are in an atmosphere of faith. And our lives are made stronger when we come together as your people. And we walk together as your people. Help us, Lord, to appreciate the people in our lives. Though all of them, Lord, the, the ones that challenge us and the ones that encourage us. Let us appreciate all of those people in our lives. For it is by that means that we become better and we get to a better place. And all of us, Lord, are going to need somebody in our life that will share something with us that will help make us better. God, thank you for what you're doing in my heart tonight. And thank you for your work that's being done. And thank you for the faith that has been brought into this building that has helped lift my own spirit tonight and has helped bring me into a better place. I thank you for all of that. And I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, 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 amen. I want you to turn to three people around you and I want you to look them in the eye and say your faith matters to me. Your faith matters to me. I am better because of your faith. Amen. Don't forget there is a sign up in the foyer. All of you help us out. Let's do some wonderful decorating for our banquet. God bless you. We'll see you here Sunday.